0: coaching people, uh, I eventually want to get into public speaking, sharing my business knowledge, my, you know, life knowledge, relationships, mindset, uh, and then my Christian beliefs, um, you know, helping people get closer to God. If I can do that, uh, every single day and, and just get 1% better and help one extra person each day or week or month, uh, yeah. then that, that is what I want to leave behind. Great experiences build
1: great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. Alright guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. I got a good one for y'all today. I've got Quentin West on the podcast today. He specializes in Airbnb arbitrage Real estate investing and finance. Quentin, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Doug. I appreciate the intro.
1: Yeah, absolutely, brother. So, you know, our show is called Building Great Sales Teams, but the beautiful thing about that is, is there's a lot of things that go into supporting sales teams, as well as all right. When my guys start making money, what should they be investing in? What should they be doing? And can I provide them a source to get the education on that? So, one of the things that we do internally or that we've done internally in the past a lot is we brought in experts and had them did an hour training. And in your case, it would be like Airbnb arbitrage, right? And yes. then uh, everybody would record, or we would record that training and then, and then include it in our development programs for our salespeople so that they could invest personally themselves. You know what I'm saying? So it's like yep. the 2.0 and the 3.0 of developing them as a salesperson and giving them kind of that investing outlet. So I wanted to kind of walk through some of those things with you today. So you also have a Facebook group that's pretty popular, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. One more door is what it's called. Everything from Airbnb to multifamily investing and anything in between. Fantastic. Uh,
1: Do you know what one more door means in my business?
0: No. What does it mean?
1: (laughs) So it's a, I I guess it's a, a motivational conversation. You know, so you're out in the field and in in this case, it's door to door. So, you know, I spent 13 years in door to uh, door to door industry and, um, you know, we had campaigns for AT&T, for DirecTV, Verizon, B2B, telemarketing, you know, all that stuff, but mainly door to door. And so uh, what we would tell our guys is whenever they're getting down on themselves, they hadn't had a sale yet that day. You know, they were in, you know, 100 degree weather or whatever the case is. especially when we were in cable, we would always tell them, hey, there's a $100 bill behind the next door. You just got to go knock on it. You know, so the the yeah. mantra was always one more door. You know, whenever yeah. you were feeling down or whatever the case yeah. is, just in your head, you know, people say one more step, one foot in front yeah. of the other, yeah. kind of focus on the micro wins. All right, I got to knock on one more door. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. and so when I, when I saw your Facebook group, I was like, that's perfect. Got to get this guy on the podcast because he's obviously <laughs> in the same Frame of mind. So, tell me what one more door means in your business.
0: Yeah. So, uh, for me, it kind of started from Ed Mightlet. I uh, listened to him give a sp- uh, <clears throat> give a speech about uh, going the extra mile, taking one more step, doing one more rep in the gym, doing one more cold call, mm-hmm. and uh, that started with me in real estate sales. You know, kind kind of related to what you're talking about. Um, I would do a lot of door knocking. I would do a lot of cold calling and it was always, you know, doing one more. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it was just that extra step that I took that got me the results. Um, and I've got a, you can't see it, but I've got a plaque right here. And it, uh, is our next goal, which is 10 million a year. And, uh, at the bottom, it has just one more, uh, which is a motto I like to live by going the extra mile. And, uh, for, the concept going into our group, it's, you know, getting one, one more door uh, it's kind of touches in the base of real estate, being an addiction and and it adding so much to your life and what that one more door can do for your life. Um, and also having the mindset of, you know, going the extra mile and, and uh, pushing yourself for more. So that's where I got uh, that concept from. I love it.
1: Um, so Ed My just came out with that book, right? The Power of One More.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've got it. I guess I have it at the house. I was looking around. I was like, I know I have that book. But yeah, it's uh it's at the house right now. I got gotcha. you. Know, I, I read like six books at one time and then another two on yeah. Audible. So it's like I never yeah. it takes me like six months to finish a book.
0: <laughs> I'm the same way. I just I skim through, I look at the uh, you know the chapters. Figure out which one I want to read first, and then mm-hmm. that'll that'll tell me if I want to continue and finish the book or not. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm I'm definitely the same way. Now I
1: love at uh, my I saw him for the first time at uh, MDM last year. Were you able yep. to go?
0: I was there. Yeah, it yeah, was my favorite speech of of the whole event. I loved it.
1: You know, I I, I really did like his speech, but man, I got to go with my man Eric Eric Thomas.
0: Eric Thomas. Yeah. yeah. The hip hop preacher. Yeah. Like
1: that dude, just like my soul, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> whenever I yeah. was running, whenever I was running uh, my marathon, I was uh, listening to his book. Okay. I finished with David Goggins before my Apple watch died, and then I had nothing.
0: <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, definitely want to run a marathon. I've ran a half marathon with a Spartan race, um, which is not so much, all running. It's a uh, more physical challenges. I don't know if you've ever I can't done imagine. Run, yeah. I've seen, like
1: I've seen, well, I haven't done it, but I've, you know, seen the Spartan races, tough mudder, like all those different ones.
0: Yeah. It's a ton of fun. It is absolutely a ton of fun. Uh, it's, I mean, even if you just want to start with, you know, the, the smallest one, I think is a 5k. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's a lot more fun than just, you know, running the entire time. That, yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what got me into it. The running yeah. is I'm I'm ADD, so <laughs> running, you know, a full marathon. Mm-hmm. I'm just sitting here thinking about everything that's going on, and uh, not so much on the running.
1: I'm the same way. I overthink. Yeah. And that's why I listen to audiobooks, because then I'm, I'm I have a very creative imagination, so I can visualize what's actually yep. happening in the book most of the Absolutely. time. So it kind of engages the creative part, so I can kind of zone in on the running, right? Yep. Yeah, All right, I'm brother. Sure. So you've been in real estate for seven years now. Is
0: that right? Um, about five in total. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm 24. I bought mm-hmm. my first house when I was 19. Wow. Um, and, and, uh, at the time I had no intention of going into real estate full time. And then, right. um, as I slowly started striking out in other areas of my life, I kind of mm-hmm. fell back on that because I saw the consistency and the potential behind it.
1: Absolutely. So, so once you bought your first house, What was the evolution after that? Was it more just being a realtor or were you already starting to invest? Did you, you know, kind of rent out some rooms in that house in college? You went to Virginia Tech, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. So, um, one of my dad's best friends passed away and, uh, he, this was his house. Mm -hmm. And my dad was kind of the one that pushed me towards that decision. Uh, because at the time I had no plans of investing. Mm -hmm. Um, and to buy that house, I spent every dollar I ever saved up. Uh, I think I put in around 16000 at the time to mm-hmm. buy the house, which was a great yeah. deal. Um, he didn't owe any money on it, and uh, it was kind of left to it, his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, so the there's a lot of steps in between. But essentially, I went to college as an engineer and found out within the first six months that you know I, I didn't know what I signed myself up for. High school yeah. was easy, but when I got to college, uh, just the intensity of the studying and, uh, everything I had to force myself to learn, even though I had no, um, real interest in it, uh, just did not sit well with me at all. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I didn't see the, the application in real life, um, and on top of that, they were preaching to me, you know, you work for the next four to five years and you get out and make a $60,000 a year um, income. And mm-hmm. uh, my idea was more along the lines of 60000 a month at the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Love so that. I was just sitting there thinking this is like the total opposite of what I want to do. Where
1: did where did you even get that that abundance mindset from though? The, the, idea that you could graduate college and make 60 grand a month. I mean, nobody, Um, 95% of the population is not thinking that they're thinking, Oh, I'll take that $60,000 job all day. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I, I never, I never knew how I was going to get there. Mm -hmm. I just knew that 60,000 a year was not an option for me. I was going to get there, get to 60,000 a month or more, kill myself trying because I didn't want to live an average nine to five life like everybody else. Right. Um, but that mindset came, definitely came from my dad. Um, he's always owned his own business. He does construction, and uh, once I dropped out of college, I worked for him for a short period of time before yeah. I decided I didn't want to do that either. <laughs> That's um, usually what happens.
1: I'm yeah. hoping it. I'm hoping it doesn't happen with my daughter. She's already talking about she's going to take over the business, and I'm like, yeah. You get bored watching me work for like five minutes, but yeah. we'll see. She's 12 now, so. Yeah, I think
0: the, I think the problem is, you know, as kids watching your parents, you know, work in their business, you see all the things that they're doing that you would do differently. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, unless they have just absolutely got it made and are living on the beach and their business is running on cruise control. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my dad is at, I mean, to this day, he's working 100 hour weeks. He's up early in the morning, oh, he's wow. working late at night, working on the road. So he, I mean, he's a grinder and, uh, that's definitely where I got my work ethic from, but I knew very early on that I didn't want to have to work like that forever. Uh, even if I had to early on, that was okay with me as long as it was temporary. Right. But I, I kind of live with the mindset of, you know, figure out what your dream life looks like and then work backwards from there. Mm -hmm. What kind of business do I need so that I can, you know, spend more time with my kids so that I can live on vacation if one mm-hmm. if I want to. Um and that's kind of how I've structured everything to to kind of fire myself from the positions that I don't see myself working in long term. Mm-hmm. Um but you know going back to the the work ethic side of things, you know, it's definitely my dad. He's always pushed us um even as a young kid, 12, 14 years old, if we slept in after eight, nine o'clock. He was hardcore. He was dragging us out of bed, telling us we're not going to accomplish anything in life if we kept on the path that that we were uh, you know going on, and that of course bled into you know my adulthood and, and the mm-hmm. way I go about life and, and business. Fantastic.
1: So, you just bought your first. You just bought your first house. Sixteen grand for any house. it's a steal. You
0: know what I mean. It was That's a steal. It was so, a steal, but.
1: I guess let's fast forward. Uh, Did you finish college or you decided, hey, this isn't for me?
0: No, I went for a year and a half. And then uh, I was already struggling to to keep up with everything. Mm -hmm. And one day I had a a math test that I just totally didn't know about. I don't know if I missed a class and I showed up and they said, oh, we have a pop test or whatever it Mm -hmm. was. But I had no idea what they were talking about. I had no idea. Like it it was a brand new section of algebra two, and uh, I ended up getting a 33 on it. And I think I just went through and was like ABC, you know, (laughs) just just guess because I had no idea. And uh, at that time, I decided, you know, I'm this is the day, you know, I'm dropping out. This is not something Mm -hmm. I want to continue doing. I was depressed. I, you know, was totally unhappy with everything that was going on in my life. Um so of course my parents were disappointed in me. I moved back, uh worked for my dad for about a year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um and had a couple close calls on the job site where oh, guys man. were just being stupid with heavy equipment and I was, you know, inches from getting very hurt or killed. Um I swung a, a crane into a power line. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a video of what happens if you leave them on the power line, but the entire crane will catch on fire and explode. Oh, wow. So luckily I got it off, but I could feel like all the electricity going through me. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a scary event. Um, but you know, after all that stuff happened, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I got to get into real estate. Yeah. And that was when I decided, you know, the best way to do this, you know, I know I can't, to start buying houses and become a millionaire and quit right. my job. But I can, I can jump in as a real estate agent. Mm-hmm. I can learn, learn everything from the back end, work with other investors, learn from them, um, and then make money while doing it. Mm-hmm. And then I can, once I start investing more and uh, create more of more income from my real estate, then I can quit my job as an agent. And that took me about two years. I worked as a full-time agent. Mm-hmm. Um, I was door knocking. I was sending out um, uh, direct email. Um, so is this just cold on? Cold calls? Um, a little bit of everything. Honestly, okay. I didn't know exactly what I was doing. I was just doing it all. Just spraying and praying. <laughs> spraying and praying. If it, yeah. if it worked out, I did it for you know, a couple more weeks. And, uh, you know, then I jumped to the next thing, right? Uh, if I could go back, I would, I would know better what to do, but it was working for me, but it was a very hot market. So you didn't really have to know uh, what you're doing as much, as long as you were willing to put in the hustle, you can mm-hmm. close properties. So I made six figures the first year and I dumped every penny, every penny and more, uh, into real estate. I bought mm-hmm. a couple houses um, the, the second house I bought, I bought for myself to live in, um, I ended up putting like $1,500 down after I got my commission and a seller concession and I used a FHA loan. Nice. Um, and then I, I fixed that house up. It was a foreclosure. So I built in like $33,000 in equity by the time it was done. Beautiful. I took out a heat, I bought two more houses. Um, and then that's when I learned about Airbnb uh, mm-hmm. And I started Airbnb in that first house. I moved back in with my parents because I I wasn't making a ton of money at the time, and right. uh, things were things weren't going the best for me. And uh, Airbnb just took off. You know, I, I started making fifteen hundred a month on the first house. Then I opened up the second one. I was making a thousand to fifteen hundred profit on the second one.
1: All right. So you always see all these numbers thrown around, and I never know is is that the gross or are you talking
0: net? I'm talking net, yeah. Okay, so so
1: you were making fifteen hundred on one house,
0: yeah. Airbnb, it's fantastic. Yes, yeah. So we were making three thousand to thirty five hundred a month gross on each house, um, and then I just grew up from there. But you know, at that point, after I bought like those two extra houses, mm-hmm. my credit was terrible because uh, I, you know, taken out loans and been running my credit and getting credit cards to fill the properties, yeah. So I didn't have a ton of money. You know, i to so save up yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Uh even though I was making good money, you know, my debt and me being a beginner uh, real estate agent didn't help at all. Yeah. Um and then we went into COVID a little bit after that, which which didn't help uh either. But uh anyway, I was trying to figure out a way to grow my portfolio by using what little I had without Mm -hmm. running my credit and without needing a lot of money. And one day I learned about arbitrage where I could rent a property and then sublease it using Airbnb. Mm -hmm. And I'm the type of person where as soon as I learn something new, I, I right then I drop everything I'm doing and I implement it and, you know, kind of learn from there. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, it, it, it worked, you know, within the first week I was sitting at a table with an owner and we signed a lease and that was three years ago. I've profited 1500 to 1800 a month on that property every month for the past three years and uh, just grew it from there. now we're at 37 properties uh, on doing arbitrage and we're, we manage a few for other people. Okay.
1: So you got levels to your real estate game right now. I imagine yeah. you still have your real estate license.
0: Yes, right. but I don't sell. I don't sell anything anymore. Only okay. the deals that I buy or sell.
1: Yeah, so that's what I mean. You're you're uh, retaining that commission, yep. and then uh, so you got your real estate license, and then you've got properties that you own that you're Airbnb. Yes, I own you're doing, four properties. Right, and then you're doing the arbitrage. Yeah, which is the the main part of your portfolio, right? Yes, and then and then the last piece is all right. Since you're managing your own properties, I imagine. Are you, are you subbing that out?
0: No, we, we manage it. We have a team of 20 people. So we have 13 cleaners, maintenance, uh, you know, bookkeepers, cold callers. We have, we have it all. So
1: your business is localized then? Yes. Okay. Fantastic. So, you know, most of the stuff that I've heard about this is like, there's not that great of margins because you're subbing everything out. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I've got some friends that have, uh, property in Medellin, right? And it and it's part of a an apartment complex or like a condominium building. And they've got yeah. two of the two of the condos in there and they're arbitraging it. But it's like, you know, not the big yeah. margins everybody's talking about because they're not the owner. They're not the property management company and and they're having to do it remotely. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And so I would imagine if you're trying to get into this business, doing it locally helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it definitely does help. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so at STRs is what you're specializing in now. And then you, are you coaching other people on how to do that as well?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I started coaching about a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. um, taking on some local people that saw what I was doing and obviously they want to, they wanted to do it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody just started talking, you know, once I live in a very small town, you know, the, I didn't know anybody growing up that made, oh, you know, 200000 a year. You're in North Carolina, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I, I just got off
1: a call with my clients, and they're actually in Jacksonville.
0: Okay. Yeah. And that's not so I'm too far from us. I'm going to go
1: visit them next week.
0: Okay. Yeah, awesome. so if
1: we get in early enough, we should get together for, I don't know, how far are you from them?
0: From Jacksonville, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Maybe we can find a spot in yeah. between. And yeah. I told them that we were definitely going to go to dinner and I typically round up all the Apex and RBO people and get them get them to a yeah. dinner or something like that. So that'd be cool. Yeah,
0: let's but do anyway, it. Love yeah. That.
1: But anyway, so, you know, obviously we want to kind of bring it around back to sales teams. And so one of the things that I would encourage you know anybody that has a sales team to do is bring in real estate experts, right? Yeah. And so you you got these guys that all of a sudden are making a hundred grand a year, and they've only made fifty before or something like that. They got all this extra money. They go out and get the house. They go out and get the car, you know. And maybe maybe they're living to that hundred grand a year, but maybe they're not. If they're single, then they shouldn't be, right? Yeah. But what advice do you have for that salesperson that's just making a hundred grand a year for the first time and how they can utilize? you know, maybe, maybe they've got 20 grand in expendable income annually. How
0: would they convert yeah. that into a portfolio? You start with real yes. estate
1: or do you go straight arbitrage or what do you think?
0: So I think arbitrage is the best first step that anybody can take into real estate. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is like arbitrage, I see it more as a business instead of an investment. Uh, because no. it, it it is active, even though we've kind of automated everything, mm-hmm. and uh, I work very little on my actual portfolio, less than an hour a day, um, it, it's still active income, and that's why you're you're making more money per property. But the reason I, the biggest reason why I recommend it as a first step is because it takes very little money to start. You can even start with zero money by co-hosting for other people. That's mm-hmm. where you find somebody that already owns a property or they might even be arbitraging it. And then you charge them 15 to 25% of their gross income to manage Mm it. And at that point you're getting your reps in. Yeah, exactly. So even if you have to manage the first one for free, once you get Uh that first one and you show that you can be successful with managing property, now you have that on your books to show people. And, you know, when you go and meet with other owners, the, the biggest thing I recommend is going to like real estate meetups. You've got mm-hmm. long-term investors there and for you to tell them that you can double or triple their profits by handing their property over to you, they're going to go nuts. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that's why, I mean, if, if we marketed that we manage property more, we'd probably have twice or three times of what we do. We just yeah. don't. It's just from people that, you know, contacted me directly or found yeah. that we manage a lot of properties in the area. But uh, that's why I say it's a great first step. Get into it with no credit, no money. Um, And then, you know, as you have that experience and you have more confidence, now Mm. you can start putting your own money or somebody else's into it. Like when I first started, I partnered with other people. They put up the money, we split the profits. Mm -hmm. And then later on when, you know, we decided that, uh, you know, either he can take over the property full time and buy me out or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's a great, great first step in, step in stone, uh, to any new investor. So if I'm
1: a, a salesperson, I probably work 40 to 50 hours a week. So what am I looking at adding to my plate? If I want to like arbitrage just one property,
0: I mean, you could start, you could start with 30 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, if you actually knew the, the little amount of work it involved, it would drive you crazy because that's <laughs> it's, it's no work, really. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, now we have like I start when I first started, I was cold calling two hours a day, mm-hmm. but then I found out that I didn't have to do that. I could save my searches with my criteria on Zillow and then just copy and paste, um, every single day my script to the save searches, which takes less than 30 minutes. So that's exactly what I started doing and teaching other people to do. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it, it takes very little time.
1: And that's part of your uh, coaching process is teaching that tactical way to get those properties in which you could arbitrage.
0: Yes, exactly. And we even help them. So if, if it's somebody that is making good money in sales and they just don't have the time or don't want to make the time, and yeah. now we, we help people source virtual assistants. So mm-hmm. now, we can help them find a philippines-based philippines-based virtual assistant that they can pay 4 dollars an hour to to do all their their uh, cold outreach and you know there we've got a system down to where she cuts through she submits it to a, a uh, data software called air dna that will oh, yeah. tell us tell us around how much the property will make mm-hmm. if it meets our criteria then she puts it into a, a spreadsheet for me that I can review at the end of the day. So everything's, nice. everything's automated. It cuts hundreds of hours off of my plate because I only see the, the properties that the owner's already confirmed. They're willing to work with us and mm-hmm. they make profits.
1: Yeah. It's funny. A, a lot of people reach out to me about VAs in general, just because, yep. you know, I have three VAs on my team and they're freaking amazing and they've yep. kind of systemized my back in operations. When I had my sales teams too on the solar and at and side, like they were doing uh, everything that wasn't customer facing essentially, yeah. you know, and they were writing out SOPs for it all, basically managing it all in Google sheets, making sure all the steps were followed and everything. It's just been, been huge for my business
0: in the past year. So. Yeah. Yeah. The, the very first month that my VA was with us, she closed nine properties and wow. she barely speaks English. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just she just took the copy and paste script that I gave her and the steps that I I gave her to take, mm-hmm. and uh, she closed nine. <laughs> so, which people don't believe me when I say that, but I mean that's how simple this business is. You take the script, you show the landlord the value you bring, and okay. if they don't agree to it, usually it's a property management company where you just don't fit in their box, or it's an older couple that like they have their. Their set criteria for people mm-hmm. they want to rent to a family they don't want to get into renting to a business or they just don't understand the value mm-hmm. and that's where you can come in you know as a salesperson you should be able to get over uh, you know their uh, hangups or w- whatever their challenges are with understanding what right. you're providing because I the biggest thing I've seen is when they're saying no they just don't understand what you your what you're providing oh, it's an edu- it's an education issue at that point yeah yeah absolutely yeah
1: Yeah, and i would imagine (laughs) you know especially some of the closures that i've had and you know the skills that i have in sales overcoming those objections would be fairly easy (laughs) you know what i mean
0: yeah they're they're very easy they're very selling
1: you're selling passive income you know so it's like yeah it's a great product to be able to sell
0: yeah yeah so i mean the biggest the, the biggest objection that we overcome is like why why would i rent to you like what's the benefit and mm-hmm. the, the biggest benefit is one, you're going to be b- more profitable with less headaches because mm-hmm. we have, we have the team, we have everybody to service your property. Even if something breaks that is outside of stuff we've agreed to do, we have the people in place that can repair it for you. And right. since we have so many properties, they're doing this routinely for us, we get a wholesale rate. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be paying less for repairs. We're going to handle them. And then you're going to be more profitable because we're looking at a long-term relationship. Think about turnover for a long-term landlord. That's their Mm -hmm. biggest expense. If we rent the property for three to five years, we've saved them potentially $10,000 or more on turnover because they don't have to replace carpet. They don't have to replace paint. They don't have to do repairs. We've been keeping the property in good shape and doing touch-ups and things throughout our our tenancy. A a few days between rentals and... That's
1: when you can go in and kind of, one, make sure they didn't destroy the place, right? And if they did, there there is uh, legalities in place on Airbnb and VRBO and all that stuff. Exactly. Oh, that's fantastic. So what is, I guess, what's the next step for you and your business? You know, you guys are doing the coaching. You're doing the arbitrage yourself. You know what I mean? You're in the real estate game yourself. What is the the evolution of all that look like?
0: Yeah, so the next steps for us, like we'll continue slowly building our arbitrage business but we're looking at like higher end properties now that make a lot more profit mm-hmm. and then we're taking the next step that I would tell any of your salespeople use Airbnb mm-hmm. for cash flow use buy and hold for long-term wealth so we're taking our cash flow now we're making somewhere in the range of a hundred to hundred thirty six thousand gross a month mm-hmm. uh, which is around 50 grand profit and we're putting that into long-term assets we're We're doing other things that create faster income to increase our velocity of money. So we're doing Mm -hmm. a couple flips and then we're, we're putting that into multifamily. Like one of our biggest goals this year is to buy 50 units of multifamily. That will get us, that will take our, our active income, Mm -hmm. even though it is semi-passive from Airbnb and put it into true passive income. And also with multifamily, especially if we're buying, uh, Assets that are value add, where either they're not charging a uh, full market rate for rent, or there's something that we can do to, to come in and increase that net operating income. Uh, with with a commercial asset like multifamily, the value is different. So, like with a single family property, if we buy that, there's only a limited number uh, amount of money that we can add in equity because the right. value is based on the comparables in the area. Mm-hmm. The multifamily. It's strictly based on income. Right. So if we can increase that income by 100 or $200 a month per unit, that's hundreds of thousands of dollars in equity that adds to our net worth. And that's why you know all the big players go towards multifamily. It's just such a game changer with, with net worth and uh, long-term wealth. Oh, and what I like about your model too is
1: you're, you're basically, with every property you add, with every... I guess long-term investment in, in real estate. As long as all these things are in real estate, yeah, you're reducing your expenses. Yeah, because now you know you've got people in your company managing more, right? Which brings more ROI on their dollar that you spend on them. But also those those companies that you're outsourcing are going to be more willing to, I guess, negotiate lower rates for you know, fixes and, you know, construction, you know, cleaning, all that stuff, because you're bringing them so much business and you're paying, you're paying their bills at that point, you know?
0: Yeah. 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 So, I mean, our, one thing that we try to do is take, take our expenses and turn them into an asset. Mm -hmm. So what we've done with the Airbnb properties is we've built out our own cleaning company now. So we clean all of our own properties. Oh, you're following the Trump model. Yeah. Now we (laughs) clean other people's properties as well. And then we started a landscaping company on top of that. We're doing a lot of landscaping, you know, Mm -hmm. with mulch installs and keeping the properties up throughout the year because they, they take more than long-term rentals. So Mm -hmm. we're getting cost on all that. Plus we're managing uh, commercial properties for other people in the community uh, Mm -hmm. doing landscaping jobs for them. Um, So, you know, our whole model is around taking the current expenses we have, turn those into assets fantastic so um yeah uh, have you have you heard how trump
1: created his no life no life?
0: i i actually haven't heard that story but i'm so,
1: interested in it. so one of the first buildings he bought he used his dad's money we, we all know this if you follow politics right but one of the yeah. first buildings he bought he realized and hey, spending all this money on a dry cleaning company on spending all this money on a cleaning company on a maintenance company on a car rental company um on a, uh, concierge services, you know, he had yeah. probably had about 15 different companies that he was outsourcing these services. And so what he did was he just eventually brought them in house, right. Yeah. And created 15 companies that all worked in that building on the tenants in that building and on the building itself. And then all he would do is pass expenses back and forth, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's essentially what you can do is like, one company can charge the other company, you know what I mean? Yep. But you're not, you're not paying any income on that because it's, it's an expense, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's somewhat of a tax shelter. And then at the same time, it, like you said, it, it, it expands your uh, ability to get wholesale rates on yep. whether it's supplies or the service itself.
0: Yeah. just
1: Fantastic. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, all right, I've met the limit of expenses. I can, I can spend on this with this company let me just move it over to this company and we'll spend it there. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, so exactly. I hope you have a very good tax strategist or a financial planner in place. That's a yeah, lot. We, we have an in-house
0: really? bookkeeper that, and uh, accountant. Well, she's not a mm-hmm. legal accountant, but she could be. Yeah. Um, she's, she's got all the training. She's been doing it for 30 plus years, Gotcha. but uh, she's, she's definitely a professional in this area. Nice <laughs> And uh we, we were a headache for her in the beginning because, uh-huh. you know, starting out, I didn't know anything Entity about taxes or, yeah, you know, so I, I came to her as a, I think when I hired her, I was 22 or three. And, you know, of course we were making good money for somebody my age and I had all these extra companies and, you know, 15 bank accounts and uh, all, all kinds of things. And uh, she said I was the... Uh, The most labor intensive client she's ever added on in her life. <laughs> well, you know, us visionaries, we got to start a new LLC and a
1: new bank account and a new business right. by every time we start a company. So it's like, that's right. When we get older, we
0: realize you don't have to
1: do that anymore. <laughs> just have yeah, the vision. Well, yeah. I mean, I,
0: I just had nobody to coach me. You know, right. like my dad was, my dad has always owned his own business, but right. know, he didn't know all that stuff. Uh, even if I asked him, he wouldn't know. He might know somebody to refer me to. Right. Um, And maybe I should ask for his help a lot more than I did early on. But again, that's, you know, us as visionaries where we see something, we don't want to ask for help sometimes. So we're just to put our head down and and take action on something. Absolutely. And uh, it's a a blessing and a curse. Absolutely. So,
1: Last question here. Um, You know, and I asked all my guests this question, what does legacy mean to you and what legacy do you want to leave behind?
0: Yeah, so legacy to me, um, it's definitely the impact I can make while I'm here. You know, how many, how many lives can I touch? How many people's lives can I change? Um, and, you know, part of that is reaching your potential as a person and, uh, and a business owner and a father and a husband and a friend. Um, so for me, it's all about doing my best in every area. Uh, so that I don't feel like I left anything on the table. Mm-hmm. And the legacy that I'd like to leave, you know, is one, um, for people to, to see me uh, as, you know, somebody that started a movement uh, for something that I believed in. Um, and whether it's, you know, business or, or, or life or my coaching. That's one reason why I love coaching because mm-hmm. I can see an instant change in people's lives just by them implementing one thing that I tell them, mm-hmm. um, that, that is holding them back. So, you know, if I can, if I can do that, um, in the form of, you know, coaching people, uh, I eventually want to get into public speaking, sharing my business knowledge, my, you know, life knowledge, relationships, mindset, uh, and then, my Christian beliefs, um, you know, helping people get closer to God. If I can do that uh, every single day and and just get one percent better and help one extra person each day or week or month, uh, then that that is what I want to leave behind. Oh, I love it, Quentin West, y'all, coaching people to
1: financial freedom, to a relationship with God, which I love, and uh, to create that impact. So I appreciate Absolutely. you coming on the show shared a ton of Thank knowledge. You, today. Probably knowledge that you'd only get if you hire Quentin as your coach. And if you <laughs> want to do that, um, yeah. where can they reach you at?
0: Yeah, they can reach me directly on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, my Instagram is qdealshomes, uh, exactly how it sounds. And then Quentin West on Facebook. Awesome.
1: I appreciate that info. We'll get it in the show notes. That way they can just scroll down, click on the link and go right to your Perfect. Your, your page is there. Again, thank you for coming on the show, brother. You brought a lot of value. Thank you, that. Doug.
0: Thank you, Doug. Appreciate All you. right. Let's get building. All right.
1: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to execute on what you just heard and let's get building. As always, remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts. You can also head on over to buildinggreatsalesteams.com and sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with everything
0: that's going on with the podcast. See you next time.